Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. That uh, love that he gave, uh, that he's shown us, it is, it is so deep. Uh, and that's what we want to celebrate and think about uh, in this time, in this season. And uh, as we see the message uh, come up, the slides come up, this message this morning is the Easter message, uh, but it's about Jesus' mission that was rejected. And I kind of think it's funny to see that big, happy rejected out there, but but at the same time, in the midst of this uh, season where we celebrate something so great, what I want us to do this morning is to also think about the great cost and what it meant for Jesus to come. And I want us to be thinking about that this Palm Sunday, this day that Jesus came into the city, and how it was truly a rejected mission. Last week we talked about the fact uh, in Luke's Gospel, as we look through Luke's message uh, that he wrote to Theophilus, this this guy who is probably helped fund Luke's writing, uh, and Luke wants to give Theophilus certainty about what Jesus was about, and that he was coming on a rescue mission. You'll remember we talked about how Jesus was coming from what was lost, utterly, totally lost. How Jesus came for what he loved us, his church. He went fully distance to go after us, to search us out and to find us ultimately in the cross. That in it, when one turned to him, we had great, great joy. Those were our points from last week. And, and this week, as we move and we see that, that through most of Luke's book, through his gospel message, he's, he's pointing us towards Jesus' eye that's on Jerusalem and how he's going to Jerusalem. And now this week, as we think about Palm Sunday, he finally arrives at that holy city where he's going to to go into what we call the Passion Week that starts today, and it goes through uh, next Sunday, Easter morning, where he'll have the Lord's Supper on Thursday night with his disciples, and he'll be crucified on Friday, and then he'll rise from the dead on Sunday. We want to talk about those things, but again, I want us to be reminded in the fact that it did cost Jesus something. It wasn't that everyone accepted him on his mission as he's asked. So this morning, I want to pray for us and start us off just asking God to speak to us and that he's here and that we can hear from him. So would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you this morning that your plan is perfect, that your way of rescuing us is perfect, and that even in desire to go our own way, we often will reject you. And in the midst of that, we know that that error of ours, that that finds hope in the cross. So this morning, as we open your word and look at some of the words from Luke's gospel, may we be reminded of how we don't receive you perfectly. 
Father God, we thank you this morning that you preserved your word and that you have it for us to read and to look at in this beautiful story that you defend by your spirit that we can look into it this morning. May we read something that sharpens our hearts. It is every so often or always, every now and then you hear these stories come up in the news. Stories of, maybe it's a painting, uh, a, a painting that was, that someone found in their basement and, and just kind of looked at it and they said it's taking up space and, and it doesn't really, it's not, doesn't catch my eye. Uh, it, it's a painting and I don't know what I would do with it. So they, they take, pick it up and they, they drop it off at your local care and share here in town uh, or some other thrift store or something like that. And then all of a sudden you hear the story that someone finds it who has an eye for these sort of things. They find this painting in a thrift store and they are like, who left this here? Because they realize that it's some painter that is famous and what is found in front of them with a $5 sticker on it is something that's worth hundreds and thousands of dollars at auction. You hear these stories of different things where, where the term or the phrase comes up that one man's trash is another man's treasure. One man's trash is another man's treasure. What one person has rejected, not knowing its, inter, its value, its worth, its greatness, someone else, when they see it rightly, they understand it to be a great treasure. And I think on Palm Sunday, and as we look at Jesus' week as he comes into Jerusalem, that's kind of what we have going on. The Jews and, and the people of God are, are seeing Jesus come in, and ultimately they look at him as rubbish, trash. They don't want to hear it. It's not good for them. But ultimately we know we will celebrate how great a treasure it is. So this morning I want us to open up to Luke 19. Luke 19 is where the story begins uh, of Jesus riding in on a donkey. And, and he's, we have the picture in our mind. We have this, this image in our mind. Uh, but Luke wants to kind of craft a couple things for us, I think. He wants to craft us with the idea that Luke was ultimately rejected, rebuked, and turned away. So this morning, look at Luke 19. I'm going to read verses 28 through 48. Uh, and on page 751 of your pew Bibles, and we're going to see this story pick up as Jesus enters in on his journey to Jerusalem. So Luke 19, verse 28. says there that when he had said, Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you. Where on entering you will find a colt tied, on whom no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And he rode along, as he rode, rode, he 
rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road, and he was drawing near already on the way down to Mount, the Mount of Olives. And the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with loud voices for all the mighty works that they had seen. Saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But here's what Luke adds in it. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near, he saw a city, and he wept over it, saying, Would that you even had known, ever known, had known that the, on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the day will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and fear you and tear you down on to the ground, you and your children with you, so that they will not leave one stone upon another of you, because you did not know the time of visitation. And he entered into the temple, Jesus did, and he began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple, and the chief priests, the scribes, and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. The story of Jesus going into Jerusalem. The first parts of this message are familiar to us if you've grown up in the church on Palm Sunday. You've grown up maybe even with the palm branches and the saying of Hosanna, Hosanna, as we, as we sung in some of our songs this morning. He's coming in from the east and he's coming towards Jerusalem and he's, he's riding on a colt, it says, in this journey towards Jerusalem. And they, they do just that. They find this donkey, as he said, and they put Jesus on it. This idea that is talked about is not just that, that on this donkey he was coming in in, in, in some uh, way that we would picture a donkey today as kind of a stubborn, uh, not an exciting stallion. But the donkey is the symbol even of a king. A king would have ridden this in a symbol of peace would have come in and said, I, I bring peace. And so, so as Jesus is doing this, he, he's doing something that is representing a king. He's representing his majesty. You know, he's in his normal free clothes, and he's got this ragtag group of guys following with. He, he's coming in as a king, and, and I think that, that Luke especially wants us to know that, especially when he says, that these disciples of his, Jesus didn't get up on the, the colt himself. It, it says that they set him on there. It's kind of like they're placing him on a throne, on the donkey that's going to bring him into this town. And obviously, the disciples had their expectations of what that meant. They weren't really, they didn't expect what would ultimately happen over that week, but they were believing that Jesus was there for a purpose. He was coming into town to do something miraculous amongst the people, especially amongst the leaders who were there in Jerusalem. 
they start singing this song. It's a song. It's the psalm, Psalm 118, that Susanna read earlier. They start saying these words, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're saying, Blessed is this King. As they're seeing Jesus and He's riding in, they're saying, Blessed is the one that comes in the name of God, our King. They're proclaiming this name. They're wanting to elevate Him up and make Him seem like something that is unprecedented. Something that's glorious. It's interesting if we take that quote by itself. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory on the highest. And we go back again. That psalm is from Psalm 118, which really we need to think of that in context. The primary message of Psalm 118 isn't actually a, a kingly psalm. It's not one that speaks mostly about uh, the rule and reign of one of God's leaders. It actually is a psalm that is connected with the Passover. Psalm 118 comes on the tail of uh, a slew of psalms, Psalm 113 through 118, which are, are psalms that get people ready for the Passover celebration. As they're coming up to Jerusalem, they would have sang these songs and prepared their hearts and gotten ready to celebrate the greatest act prior to the cross that God had done, or one of them, I should say. When God came and released the people and brought them out of their bondage in Egypt. That event that we that, that even Jews to this day, they celebrate the idea of, of taking a lamb and, and, and giving it over for their sacrifice, to remember, and, and the, the idea that they took the blood and they put it on the doorpost. And through that, the, the cloud of death passed over them, and they came out of their bondage, out of their slavery, out of Egypt. Psalm 118, that they're saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. It's this celebratory psalm. It's the psalm that they would have sung and they would have known in their minds that's what we're supposed to sing. As they're coming towards the gates of Jerusalem, they're saying, make the, make me the gate of righteousness. Open it to me that I may enter through them and get them in. They want to get them to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered my God. You have become my salvation. They would have been singing. They were thanking God on their way to Jerusalem. This is, this is common practice for them. And they're doing it with Jesus and trying to look at Him. And they don't know the symbolism of what's going on, but yet they're proclaiming Jesus the King, the sacrifice, all these things coming into focus here in the middle of Palm Sunday. He's their King. He's being lifted up as that. What Luke adds in there, and it only is found in his gospel, is the addition of one day running for Pharisees. They're saying all these things. They're, they're singing the right song. They're singing the song that they're supposed to be singing as they're traveling to this town on Passover. But yet they're uplifting this guy, this man, as a king. And what do they say to him? They turn to Jesus. Verse 39. And said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke your disciples. 
They reject this idea of Jesus as king. They're rejecting Jesus as the king of peace. The one riding on a donkey. Jesus has rejected him as the king. By the leaders. These leaders, these Pharisees, they they would have been the ones who were the religious elite of the day. They would have been uh, kind of the ones who would have known the scriptures. They would have been well-versed in the psalms that they're singing. They should have known who this was that was coming in peace on a donkey, and yet they miss it, and much more they reject it. They rebuke him. And they tell him to rebuke his disciples. I think what we see in that passage right there is that these guys, these Pharisees, they were willing to consider Jesus a good teacher. They were willing to take in his his teachings or listen to him as, oh, that's good thoughts. But they didn't want to admit to him being the king. And the question maybe we can ask is why? Why would they have been rejecting that? I I think one of the things that that Luke wants to bring this out, and and he he wants us to think about, especially in in the verses 41 through 44, which come right after it, is that these leaders, they're, they're threatened by Jesus as king. They're threatened by the idea of someone who would start an uprising. Someone that would, would kind of rock the boat a little bit. At this time, Rome was in charge. Rome was the one who was truly king over this land. And, and as they're sitting there and they're saying, rebuke him, they're, they're saying, we like it the way it is. We don't want to stir up things. We don't want to cause trouble. We don't want to, we, we're at peace right now. We're at peace with Rome, and, and while it's not comfortable and, and we don't like it, we're okay with it. We'd rather have that peace uh, uh, from Rome and from the leaders of the world than we would want to welcome in the king of peace who rides on a donkey right now. I say that because as we move forward into 41 and 44, Jesus then looks at the city, the ones who these Pharisees uh, are, are kind of part of the religious fabric. He, he looks out over the cities and we see Jesus do this unique thing in verses 41. It says that he weeps over the city. He cries over the city that is choosing to reject him. And it says 42, Would that you have even, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. He's saying peace comes through me, the king. And they're turning away from it. And then he goes on to describe this destruction that will happen in later days where Jerusalem will be wiped out and destroyed. It'll be torn down. It's interesting that again, going back to Psalm 118, that psalm that is on the lips, the psalm that they're singing as they're coming to this place, one of the verses early on in that psalm which speak to this is where the psalm says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. That psalm that they're supposed to be singing on this Passover day, this psalm where they're supposed to say, I'm taking trust and I'm taking my trust in the Lord. I'm taking my peace from Him. These Pharisees are actually turning on that and trusting in the powers that be in their own ways. 
place of keeping peace is the earth of peace, keeping peace with the earth as well. We'll take another teaching of the rest of chapter 2. This morning, as we think about that, the idea of Jesus being rejected as a king, it's easy for us to want to think on Palm Sunday of us being in the, the cheerful, welcoming community. Yay, yay, la, la. That that's us. That we'd be the ones singing Hosanna and, and singing, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and all those other things. But really, when it comes down to it, I wonder if sometimes there's a split or sometimes we're like that because sometimes we reject Jesus as our king over certain areas of our life. Where we reject that in our, our world, what we want to bring us peace, when we know that it should be Jesus and Jesus is the one who truly brings peace as king, we actually turn to the world and seek peace from the world and we seek peace from its ways and, and we want to seek that rather than saying, no, I find my peace in Christ. We go after other things. We reject Jesus as king and we look to the world and say, I would rather have that as my treasure than trust as Jesus as my rejected as king, but much more, he, he continues to be rejected by these leaders and these people that are in kind of in power positions in his day as he goes towards the temple. Look again at 45 through 48. It says he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold. A picture that we're familiar with. Saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. goes into the temple. And we, we get this picture that sometimes it's hard to chew on. The idea of Jesus, the Jesus that we want to think is just this meek and mild and, and humble, nice guy. And he's the guy that we'd want to have as a friend because he's so nice. But yet here in this picture, Jesus goes in and he pushes out and he sends away those who are, who are defiling the temple. Those who are who are making a mockery of God's house. And maybe you're familiar with the picture of him driving them out. We may have that in our heads. We may even know the, the quote that he has, uh, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. But I, I, even I forget sometimes where this passage actually comes from, this quote, and what he's talking about. The context of this quote is, is the idea of him from from Isaiah, where, where, where Isaiah speaks that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, for all peoples. This idea of, of being the house of prayer is for everybody to come in. He wants people there. And, and Jesus is passionate about letting people come to this place, the temple, where miraculously, by God's grace, God comes and meets people who are sinful as they sacrifice and go to who is there, the priest. They go to the priest that's there, the priest makes a sacrifice, and they are related, have a relationship with God as man, like as now. And so when Jesus starts kicking guys out, when he starts to boot these sellers out, what is, a, what is guessed by many is that probably where he's doing this 
is in the place where the Gentiles, where other nations could come in. In the selfishness of these leaders, they put up the, the selling of sacrifices in the place where God, uh, where the Gentiles could come in and meet with God. And he's given them the boot, or the, the people have given them the boot, and said, no, no, this is about us. This is about our system, our way, and, and it's about us uh, and us alone. about letting all people in. He's passionate about wanting all people to come in and worship God. And, and there, when he starts to do that, when he starts to purify those who are uh, who are making a mockery of this place and welcoming in, and it says then, as he starts to do that, then it turns and he says, he was then teaching in the temple. He was then teaching daily in the temple. He was in assuming that place where start to see him teaching and speaking God's word to the people and teaching them and and trying to give them what God wants them to hear. And and the people are coming to him, it says, they're hanging on his words. They're enthralled by this message. Verse 48. What says what about the leaders? This priest, this one who's come in on the donkey seeking peace, and now he's acting as a between God and man, what do they do? They want to destroy him. And what we see is that Jesus is rejected in this verse for all people. Jesus is rejected as the priest for all people. He, he wants to be this for all people, and they don't want to have anything of it. They want this religion. They want this sacrificial system. They want their God for themselves. They want to privatize it for for their own gain, and they don't want to give it out to others. The leadership rejects the idea that God wants wants to go into all the world with his message. He wants all people to come to him. message of who Jesus is and, and bring other people to him, but sometimes I worry that we get caught in our own ways and we don't want to allow Jesus to be the priest for all people, and we reject his being there, and we privatize our own religion, we privatize our own Jesus story to be, I, I enjoy this for me and for my gain. talks about God in the terms of a a vineyard owner. 
one who has, has built something on which he wants to take a harvest. He wants to take uh, a choice grapes for his harvest. And he's left it in the hands of servants, of tenants who are there. began to tell the people this parable, a man planted a vineyard, this is Jesus speaking, and let it out, lent it out to the tenants and went to another country, that's God, for a long while. When the time came, he sent servants to, to the tenants so that they would give some of the fruit of the vine of the vineyard. And the tenants beat him and sent him away empty handed. And he sent another servant and they also beat him and treated him shamefully. And he sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third, the one also, this one also, and they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that the inheritance may be ours. then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, surely not. They look directly to them and say, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builder has rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. that we could be said about this passage and I could go way deeper into this. But what Jesus is pointing to is that they, these men, are about to officially do the worst thing of all. They are about to take what truly is of great value and they are going to consider it trash, rubbish. They are going to kick it outside the city and they kill it. They are going to kill the beloved Son of God. They are going to reject the heir of God. Jesus is rejected should know just who Jesus is. And they want to reject him. They reject the authority. They don't want to be rejected of the one who has the authority in his place. And yet Jesus is sitting there saying, God is going to let this happen. God is going to let this play out. He's going to let them reject him. And we see that as we look at that quote, the stone that the builder builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Again, that quote goes back to Psalm 19. And that quote goes back to that psalm of Passover, the one that brings people in reminding them about what God has done. The psalm that they were singing as they came into the city, Jesus is going and speaking these words and reflecting them on himself. That this rejection has a purpose. That this rejection has a plan. That the people, that God's people, that all people,
as the story continues on, as we think about this week and, and the, the road to the cross, uh, what we are going to see, if you read in your readings this week, the back part of Luke, you're going to see all other people reject. The leaders are going to reject. His disciples, including Judas, is going to betray him, and they're all going to abandon him. And even Jesus, uh, Peter is going to deny him. And that's where Jesus goes into this idea that this stone that the village has rejected has become the cornerstone. That now what we see is that there is a reversal of the rejection. The thing that man rejects, the thing that God, that man uh, doesn't want and, and sees as worthless, God will accept and find as great treasure, a great sacrifice, a, a cornerstone, a pillar on which God is going to do something miraculous. He's going to build his church. He's going to build up his bride. In, in this rejection of Jesus as he goes to the cross, through his sacrifice as that Passover lamb that we read about, that, that comes as a greater lamb than the Passover lamb of Egypt, God is going to accept this verses that follow back in Psalm 118, it says this, this is the Lord's doing. It is, a, it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And the fact that Jesus was going to be rejected and going to the cross, this was all part of God's plan. It's what he was working towards. And as he goes to the cross and dies, and if you think about this this week, the sacrifice he's being rejected and he's trusting that God is going to use him and, and make him the cornerstone as he's suffering and dying he says Father forgive them for they don't know what they do Father forgive them that they have rejected me Father forgive them that I am the king I am their priest I am your son they're rejecting all those things but forgive them Yes, I know he's talking specifically to those who are sitting on the cross, but I think there's a bigger picture that he's saying that for all of us, that in our own rejection, as the sins of the world are being piled upon him, we hear the words uh, of Isaiah, which says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, on him was the chastisement, the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are sin is piling up this week on Jesus as he goes to the cross, as he's taking our burden, our rejection of him, our rebellion, he's doing that and he 
Those who will receive Jesus, who will receive that sacrifice, he gives something greater. The last verse is going to hit. Verses 39 through 43 of chapter 23. 39, as just after Jesus has said, Father, forgive them, we get this picture that Luke adds for us. In the midst of all this rejection, we get two guys hung on the cross next to Jesus. Two criminals. It says one of the criminals who was hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. This first criminal, he has nothing better to do than as he's dying to also choose to reject Jesus just the way that everyone else has. At the very last minute, as he's dying there, he says, Jesus, you're a fool. You're supposed to be the Christ, right? And you can't get yourself down from here. He mocks and rejects. One final contrast on the cross. He sees Jesus as treasure, or as trash. He sees it as worthless. But then he speaks in another way. The other one, verse 1, rebukes him, saying, you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said to him, Jesus said, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. A guy on a cross in his shame the same death that Jesus is experiencing. And what does he say? He says, remember me, king. He doesn't reject Jesus as king. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He says, remember me when you go back before the Father. Remember me. And he chooses, the story turns around with this criminal as he doesn't reject. But as he witnesses what Jesus did, he receives. treasure of what's there hanging next to him. This beautiful, valuable work of art called Jesus' death. The cornerstone of which God is going to make a beautiful object of worship. And Jesus promises him that today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will have something great. You will have a great reward. As Jesus means what we would call his first convert and a true believer. And this morning, as we think about ways in which we reject Jesus, as ways in which we don't receive him as our king, the ways that we turn from him and go our own way, may we again remind ourselves this week as we celebrate Easter, but also celebrate the great cost of what Jesus did. May we look and see that oftentimes we view Jesus as trash. 
sacrifice that you made, if we turn to you on the cross, we too, when we see that treasure, when we see what you've done for us, we do it. Father, we know that we do that from here. For some of us, more often than we wish, for some of us, you need to work in our hearts and show us areas where we don't trust you as our king. Thank you. 